Welcome to the What's In My Head podcast. I'm your host, Julian, and thanks for checking out the audio format of our show. If you want to watch these episodes, check us out on YouTube. Just type in youtube.com slash what's in my head podcast. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride as I bring you a piece of your childhood each and every week. Don't forget to smash that subscribe button here as well as on YouTube. Make sure to check us out on all social media platforms. That's where I'll ask you, the fans, to drop a question or two for our upcoming guests. You can find us on social media by searching at In My Head Pod. If you're digging the content, leave us a rating and review as that helps us and other fans of pop culture find us. Enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the What's in My Head podcast. Today, I'm joined by the man, the myth, the legend himself, Mr. Charlie. Fucking Adler Charlie, how are you, sir? It's my mother. My mother, my parents is on my birth certificate. Charlie fucking Adler. It's amazing. <laughs> you know, some people get really, really upset. And by people, I mean, not the guests. It's the, the, the fans and stuff. They'll comment and they're like, oh, I had to stop watching this interview as soon as I heard you, you pronounce fuck or cunt or anything like that. So I'm so glad that oh. it's well, the world is full of hot hot flowers the world is full of hot hot flowers do da who gives a shit <laughs> by the way if that's your where you are guys hang up now because it ain't going to get better it's not because i'm an ex-sailor and charlie and i've been talking you know for a couple minutes and it was fucking fantastic already so but nonetheless man we're here for charlie we're not so much here for me charlie i gotta imagine that your career i mean just on my t-shirt alone right you've got about a third of it so, I mean, I can't, I don't know if you can see it, and I'm 90% of this shit trying to point it out, but I mean, just cow and chicken, red guy, and then IR baboon alone, man, you account for probably a good quarter percent of this t-shirt. I mean, what, what's it <laughs> like? Because, well, because cow is so big. <laughs> that's that's why. I mean, she was 760 pounds, I think David said, and the, and the things. You know, you, it's funny, you're, you're talking about the career. I was trying to figure out the hell, if I looked at my bio, mm-hmm as a producer or anybody, I'd go, what the hell does this moron do? I cannot figure out, which makes me very happy, I suppose, my career has just been the strangest event. Events. So I'm gonna tell you something really weird, not that you asked for a story, but I'm gonna tell you a story. So I was doing my own podcast for a while for Combat Radio. And I had wonderful guests. I had Rain Newman and Creed Summer and Wendy Malick and and really pretty glorious people on it. And Billy West, Carlos Elzraki, Lisey Chabert, anyway, blah, blah, blah. So I was at a fundraiser that this guy, wonderful guy Ethan, uh, did. And the... I see a guy... And I walk up to him and I say, Michael Lang? He says, yeah. I said, Charlie Adler. He said, whoop. He directed me in a production of Cabaret when I was just, it was the summer before I turned 17, I played the MC. Mm-hmm. And this was maybe three winters ago. And he texted me the other day and said, when are we gonna have dinner? So I said, just come over, bring your wife, come over. So I made fried chicken, took you know, the date wow. to make fried chicken. It's my favorite dish in the world. And I did, you know, mashed potatoes. Anyway, he brought uh, a recording, which he had done on a reel-to-reel, because hey, we had reel-to-reels then. <laughs> and, and I heard myself at almost 17, and I've never been able to watch myself. I've never been able to uh, handle anything other than the job. I love the job, but when the job's over, I'm done. And... I was so blown away. I, I got really teary 
And I said to Michael, well, who was that kid? I don't, even, I don't know who the fuck that was. Where did I get that courage? How did I even know? And he's a, he's a very prolific television director. He's a very successful TV director. So how did I ever figure that out? And I, I got really teary because I, it was like looking back and I thought, man, I had such courage then. I, I just, I, I guess I didn't know to be afraid. And you know, in truth, I'm not now, but there were a lot of years in between when I was. And it's very interesting to me, the genesis of how a career is. And so, you know, I teach acting and I, I always say to, to actors, a, a, a good career and a good life is, looks like a bad EKG. <laughs> it's just this, you know, I mean, and that's kind of what my life and career has been. So, you know, going back to 16 years old and I'm going to be 65 in two months. It's so weird. It's just weird looking back. So going back to the word career, I couldn't even begin to figure out what the fuck I am and have done. You hit on a you hit on a couple good or a couple points that I wanted to circle back to. One, I I hundred percent agree with you. Fried chicken. I'm from the south, so fried uh-huh. chicken is my lifeblood. Fried chicken, uh-huh. fried potatoes. You know, a hundred percent. I'd eat fried shit really probably if it was done well. <laughs> Fried chicken, particularly, that's my favorite dish of all time. My granny used to make the best, and then I've taken that. And I actually work in the restaurant industry now. So, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, I mean, it's not glamorous. It's not fun. It's just they keep paying me and I keep showing up. So, the same sense, it's like once it's over, it's over. It's like Vietnam, right? Once you get out of the shit and then you can get in your car and you can turn away, you're like, oh, that shit wasn't that bad. And then when you go back to the shit the next day, you're like, holy shit, why am I doing this? But nonetheless, man, I love, absolutely love fried chicken. I'm so glad you brought that up. Well, I want to ask you a question, and then you're going to ask me a question. I know it's an interview, but it, like I'm having a conversation. So oh, perfect, man! It works for um, me. That's why I usually do it. Where, where in Florida are you again? Outside of Orlando? Yeah, right outside of Orlando. So I just got invited to do a um, concert mm-hmm. at the uh, Kravis Center in um, Palm Beach. Okay. Narrating a beautiful, beautiful children's children's with an orchestra in front of me and thirty kid chorus behind me in uh, the end of October. Okay. So I'll just keep you posted. It's, I think I don't think they're even near each other. I don't. But anyways, just put that out there. No, right, <laughs> moving on. Ask me a question. God damn it, fried chicken. No, man. It, it, well, that's that's one of those things that really just gets my mind off track. Is whenever we talk about that GBD, that golden brown delicious fried chicken, oh, oh, my mouth water, my head goes in some other place. But like I said, we're here for you. Wait, 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 I'm going to show you a picture of what I did because I actually took it. I swear to God, I took a picture of my fried chicken. Can you see this? Hold on, shit. Yeah, I can, man. That looks pretty good. It was really good. How long you been cooking? Oh, uh, I don't know. I always thought I was a lousy cook. It turns out I'm really a good cook. It's beautiful, man. You say you say you're 65. You'll be 65 this year. Yeah, yeah. You're fucking jacked, man. What's the secret? been so disciplined my whole life mm-hmm. i think being in the theater where i was really started work really taught me i better take care of this shit yeah yeah and i i i need it i need it it's my it's my sanity i have beyond this wall here is um my gym this is really just a weird office Hold on, this is how weird my life is this is really that's part of my office but back here behind me is it's, this is just for recording. So that yeah. is a painting I had done. I'm a painter too. Mm-hmm. Anyway, 
so I my gym is right beyond that wall, and uh, if I'm if I don't do something physical in a day, I'm really miserable. Not to mention, think about it, the breath control required for me to sustain a show is abnormal. It's unnatural. It's a lot of it's a lot of air. <laughs> you got a lot of air. I guess I'm full of air besides shit. But I, you know, I need I need that. It's it, 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 it helps my work tremendously. Helps my work. Yeah, I got to imagine, man. I've had a few of you guys on here, and you know, you, you mentioned quite a few of those. I've, I've had Carlos and Billy and Rob, and a lot of those guys. They, you know, some of them can, and some of them can't sing in character. And that's one thing they've said. It's just like working out, you know, cardio specifically. It yeah. really helps that lung capacity because you got to go up and down. It's not your normal voice. Uh, you know, taking a step back, when did you start realizing that you could do things with your voice that others couldn't, or was it always just, you know, fuck it, man, I just make funny voices. Well, I had this really horrific father, mm -hmm. and I think part of my survival as a kid was I started to make fun of people to them, not behind their back, in front of their face. And weirdly, it made him laugh, mm -hmm. and it kept him off me. Yeah. Uh, that was one of the first times I went, oh, there's power in this. Mm -hmm. Um, I just imitated people. I was a fucking monkey. I was a monkey. <laughs> I just was, I was just a minor bird, a weirdo. I fit in nowhere. Uh, uh, I didn't want to fit in anywhere in particular. And I didn't really find, because I wanted to be a, many things. I wanted to be a veterinarian first, and I wanted to be a, an artist, which I actually have become. Um, and I got my, did my first play. And I shook through the whole thing, but I loved it. Mm -hmm. And it was the first time that I had felt that I belonged anywhere. And by belong, I mean to myself. I yeah. mean, I understood myself. I understood what significance my life would have if I worked towards that. And I did. And I was very lucky. I had miraculous people guide me, lead me, teach me, lift me, show me, mentor me. Um, believe in me mm -hmm. and man it's 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 interesting how it all unfolds how life unfolds but um i knew very young i knew very young that i had a capacity i didn't really know probably until i'm going to say 13 or 14 yeah that that's oh. what i had to do ha and by the way if you don't have to do it don't do it <laughs> <laughs> i'm starting to learn to do it then do it i'm starting to learn that as time goes on i'm trying to get and set myself up where if I don't want to do something, I'm just not going to do it. But you're obviously going to have to do shit you don't want to do, like work and, you know, oh, you got to wash the dogs type of thing, you know, stuff you don't want to do, but it needs to be done. But what I mean by not doing stuff that I don't want to do is if I just don't want to hang out with somebody, I'm not going to hang out with somebody. If I don't want to go somewhere. Well, isn't it, don't you, I'm switching screens, so I, I just had to see a better version of us. Um, I, I think that's an important thing to learn, Julian, mm -hmm. is... And it doesn't have to be filled with anger or malice or rebellion or contempt. It just has to be a clear choice that you make yeah. that this is not going to work for me. And I don't have to abandon myself in order to please somebody else or anybody else. Yeah. We're allowed to say no. No, yeah. th no thank you is fine. Uh-uh, <laughs> works for me too. Uh -uh. Um, but no is, and it took me a lifetime to learn that. So if you're getting that now, good. You should. 
Well, during, <clears throat> excuse me, during COVID, I think a lot of things changed for a lot of people. You know, like I told you, I worked in the restaurant industry and, and I've told the story a few times, so I'm pretty sure the fans are already tuning out, but uh, you know, they all told us to go home, right? They didn't, we didn't know when we were coming back. They, we all thought it was going to be two weeks, you know, and then look at, we're a year and a half here and it looks like it's starting to creep back into our lives. And I hope that doesn't happen, but nonetheless, man. You have a governor that's a moron. <laughs> But you get told to go home and then I can't remember who said this, but there's nothing worse like when you're an artist and by artist, there's so many definitions or there's so many different renditions of the word artist, right? You've got what you do when you said you were painting or you're voice acting or you're acting, right? There, there's an art form to that. And then cooking is an art form as well, right? Absolutely. And there's nothing worse than being a creative person or being an art, artistic. And having person. no outlet. And yeah. Having no outlet, having nothing to say or having yeah. something to say and nobody to say it to essentially, yeah. right? Yeah. And when that happened and I'm sitting there, I'm hanging out with my son for the first time in a long time, like we would see each other and stuff like that. Cause you know, he lives with me, but when you're working 12, 13 hours a day and he's going to school and he's got his shit, you know, you kind of see somebody at the dinner table. He's like, how are you, you know, what are you doing? What was your day? Like, you don't really get to talk, you know, you don't really get to converse. You don't really get to absorb what's going on. And then when you're forced to stay home, you start learning like, Oh shit we would do this thing and he didn't like it, or we would do this thing and I wouldn't like it, or we would make this thing and he didn't like to eat it. And I didn't like to eat it, you know? So you start to like, learn like, oh shit, wh why are we doing this? Like, what is the point of doing something we don't want to do? Let's just, let's just not do that. I mean, like I said, we've got to do a couple things, but for the most part, let's do the stuff that we want to do because life is so fucking short. We learned that last year, right? You know, just look, turn on the news and all these people dying all these people gone, you know, you're never going to talk to them. You never know when you're going to go. So life is short, ladies and gentlemen, do what you want to do. Don't do what you don't want to do. Um, I mean, it's like funny. I said, it's easier said than done for most people. It really you know, is. I got that advice younger, but I didn't know how to say no. You know, it's easy to say, tell somebody you have to learn to say no, mm -hmm. but saying no to some people is life threatening yeah. in that we feel, and I'm one of those, not now, but I felt that I would be rejected and abandoned if I didn't please everybody. So, you know, it's great advice, but that advice also has to be supported with the skills to learn how to do that. Because if you don't know how to do that, then you're even more of a failure because then it just becomes a bumper sticker, mm -hmm. you know? And, and, you know, we're a nation of jingleism. We just make these things up. We put them on our bumper stickers and that's life. Bullshit. You know, it's very easy for people to, and I'm, I've been at the other end of this uh, a good deal of my life. Well, you should just blank. Mm -hmm. You know, where I have come to is, well, you should just go fuck yourself. <laughs> you should just not be handing out advice because your advice doesn't have anything in it except a sound bite. It doesn't tell anybody how to do anything. It doesn't instruct. It doesn't inform. It doesn't illuminate anything that's going to help me be able to take that advice if I don't have that in my toolbox. So it's a, it, it, you know, we're complicated, we're complicated beings. And we need a lot of people are stuck in a lot of things that don't work for them. And it takes it's it's an evolution to, to figure one's life out. It really is. I mean, you really need context, right? Because you see, especially in today's day and age, we talked about it a little bit earlier before, you know, we hit the record, you know, what would we do if it was World War II and we couldn't give up our phone type of thing, right? You see people's lives in snapshots, right? You see somebody say something, you see somebody do something, or you see somebody post something you're like, oh, shit, 
they're always happy. Or, oh shit, they're always X, Y, and Z. You don't see the context, right? You don't see the before, you don't see the after, you don't see what's really going on during that. I think that's a very valid point that you just brought up because anybody can give you advice, right? But nobody really knows how you're going to interpret that advice, how you're going to use that advice, how you're going to sit there and accept that advice. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you something. And then, well, I'll t- okay, so this is this is so probably not what any fan of the world wants to hear, but I'm, I'm, I'm I even hate the word fan. I, I, you know, when I do conventions, I always think of people as friends or guests. The word fan, uh, it, to me, is objectionable. So I mean, no disrespect when I say it, uh, but I hear people say it, and I think it makes me cringe. Mm-hmm. Anybody tuning in watching this yeah. should not want to hear this. But when my mother had died. I went to work. I was at Nickelodeon directing a show or in a show, I remember. And uh, somebody that I didn't know, a well-meaning, which to me is the kiss of death, a well-meaning person came up to me. And really, people mean well. This was said in the spirit of, I think, kindness or offering comfort. But here's what I did because I'm so over a lot. And... She says to me, like, well, you know, I heard about your mother, and I'm really sorry, and um, believe me, she's in a much better place. Yeah. And I said, oh, she is? Do me a favor. When you t- talk to her next, tell her, send me a postcard so I know where the fuck she is so I can find out what that place is. Because as far as I'm concerned, dead. Irrevocably dead. And people mean well. But people should also think about what they say before they say that, that, that kind of, you know, how's this? I'm really sorry. Yeah. Uh, uh, don't tell me where my dead mother is. Yes. Yeah. She's in an urn. Yeah. And now she's under my plum tree in my yard growing plums. The hell. It's, it's definitely weird because that's, that's one of those things you just don't know what to say. Right. And don't say anything. Then don't say anything. If you don't know what the fuck to say, don't say it. And what is this compulsion to say something? Don't say it. I don't know. I, just, I think people want to be heard. I guess I think people want to feel like they they they're helping in a sense. I guess at least that's what I'm, I'm trying to take it. Well, I started this. I started this sentence, but story by saying I think it was a well-meaning thing. Yeah. I'm not suggesting that person had any malintention. It just was the wrong time. Yeah. And you know what? I hope she thinks twice before she writes herself a little Hallmark card speech the next time somebody drops dead that she doesn't even know. I'm pretty sure. How am I doing? How am I doing? Good? Good. Oh, you're doing fantastic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love having these, like the episode that I'm getting ready to release on Friday. Uh, that's one with, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure you won't know him, um, but he was working there during the time, uh, you know, everybody was hot and heavy with what a cartoon. Tony Sampson. Um, he voiced Eddie from Ed, Ed and Eddie, Danny Antonucci's uh, program. Um, and I don't think him, we ever crossed paths. I don't think we ever crossed paths. Yeah, he got out in 2009. Uh, just got out of what? How oh, was that? Got out of what? Prison? Voice acting and acting and everything like that. Oh, he had, oh well, he same, had thing. Had, <laughs> yeah. same thing. Yeah, prison, same thing, same thing. He had had a, he had had enough of it, um, you know. Some shit had happened, and he was just done. And the same thing that, that you had just brought up, like I don't know if fans or fans or guests or whoever's tuning in really want to hear this. Uh, I, I think that's what's missing in today's day and age, regardless of what people tune in for. Whether you're here to hear Charlie talk about his career, whether you're here to talk about, we're just having a fucking conversation. That's what's missing in this world these days. 
nobody talks, nobody listens. Everybody's got one point to say, you've got a point, I've got a point, and then we got to keep moving point to point to point to point. Nobody listens, right? So like I said, I love when we can have a conversation like this, because like I said, it's missing in today's day and age. Um, well, that's enough of that. I'm hanging up. <laughs> I think yeah, I just burped. I, I, check your, check your, when you check the thing, I think during that, I think I burped. I'm having, I'm having a little sodi pop here, and I went, I think, quietly, tried quietly to burp when you were talking. Oh, speaking of Tony. I mean, no disrespect, but go ahead. Oh, no, no, perfect. I mean, speaking of Tony, he farted at least four times on my podcast. <laughs> That's a gift. I mean, I know people who get in the booth, they can burp on cue. I can't. Yeah. I mean, farting, that's a miracle. Good for him. <laughs> but, uh, you know, going back to you, man, I, I didn't know until I really started recent because all I know you for really was the voices. And then you got some voice directing and then you're producing some stuff and stuff like that. And until you told that story about, you know, uh, uh, working on the stage and, and then doing some plays and stuff, I didn't know that you did that. And there's a lot of fans that had wrote in and asked questions um, about that. And you've done, like I said, quite a few things from acting to voice acting to working on the stage. Well, and I, don't think, I don't think voice acting is any different than working on the stage. I think acting is acting. Okay. And I have spent my entire career in this part of the business trying to get the as many people as possible to understand that I don't act with my voice. We don't act with our voices. We act. Yeah. And and I it's this, it, it, technically it's all different. Television's acting is different than filmmaking, different than stage acting, technically. Voice acting, which I hate the phrase, is the same thing. It's it's yeah. a technical adjustment, mm -hmm. but it is it's acting. And so we're all actors. And I I think I work with some of the most miraculous actors. I gotta tell you something. This is um, I'll try to be as brief as possible because I'm I'm not giving anybody a chance to ask questions. And this might answer some questions. So um, I've been directing the the reboot of the Rugrats, yeah. which I've been thrilled about and love, and I think it's a gorgeous show. And it's on Paramount Plus, and I don't have Paramount Plus, and I had to get it in order to see it. But what came along with the package was a series that I had done called Our Real Monsters, yeah. and I had never seen it, mm -hmm. and never, never seen it, never saw one episode, and. Uh, my one of my most beloved friends of my lifetime was Christine Cavanaugh, who was yeah. Oblina, who was, was the voice of Chucky and Babe and all that. And she passed. And we spoke every single day, every single day. And um, working with her and David Eccles and Tim Curry and Greg Berger was just a thrill. The writing was so brilliant, but I only remember it from the perspective of being in the booth and laughing my ass off and feeling very free and very supported and very playful. Yeah. But I couldn't tell you anything about the show until I'm seeing it. So now I'm watching it. Mm -hmm. And I am so blown away by the performances, by the actors, by the animation is stunning. Yes. The writing is brilliant. I had no idea. I don't know where the fuck I was. I had no idea. I have fallen in love with my character, Ickes. I have no idea where that came from. I have no idea. And all I know is that we were in the tiniest at Klasky Chupo before, before they built a studio downstairs in a big space. It was the size of three phone booths. Yeah. And here was Kavanaugh, me, and David Eccles, and sometimes Timmy, shoved in that booth like sardines. Mm -hmm. And I had no idea. So I look at this now and I go, man, 
that was some beautiful work going back to where this part of the conversation started the performances have knocked me out yeah. i can identify some people some people i can't but what still knocks me over is how brilliant they were I was with some of the most brilliant friggin' actors, film actors, TV actors, Broadway actors. Huh? <laughs> Cartoons. So come, to, come to find out, actors are actors. Come it, to it, find out. It, it really was a phenomenal show. That's one of those shows that I look so fondly back on. Uh, sitting back now, I mean, I got Halloween every day. I mean, favorite ho ho uh, holiday was Halloween, still is. And that show, it was just, it was so, it was so out there. It was so zany. It was so weird. It was so different compared to anything else that was on TV. It was smart. It was smart. Yeah. It was layered. It was textured. And I think also because Classic Chupa was such an environment, an artist's environment, that there, it was so not heavy-handed. Mm -hmm. We really were given, uh, the creative producer, Chuck Swenson, uh, also was the voice director. Mm -hmm. And he just let us eat the scenery and shit it out the next day i mean i look at the i look at that show and i go i can't believe we got away with this it was bliss mm -hmm. and the product shows it but i but what amazes me i never saw it i never saw it so i 25 more years ago we did this and i'm now watching i watch it every night i'm watching four seasons i'm binge watching i watch one half hour a night mm -hmm. of four seasons I don't know where the hell that fucking show came from, but the writing is astonishing. The animations, the music, Drew Newman, who did the music for Wild Thornberries that I directed. My God, I mean, I hear his scoring, I hear his music, I'm knocked over. I look at the staging by the, by the animation directors, it's just mind-blowingly beautiful. It, it and, I, and I'm not a fan of animation. I never watched animation in my life. I think I watched what the hell did I watch? I didn't watch cartoons. I watched, maybe I watched, oh, there was a cartoon called Crazy Cat that I loved mm -hmm. as a kid. Um, I was not a fan of animation. Uh, I was a fan of the Beverly Hillbillies. I was a fan of the TV in the 60s. It mm -hmm. was such crazy character work. Granny, Irene Ryan, who played Granny in Beverly Hillbillies, I thought was the funniest creation of my life. My cousin now, my first cousin, who I, we were raised kind of like brothers, my cousin, my brother, Stephen, and I still do Granny. Mm -hmm. We still refer to Granny. Two idiots, and he's older than me. He's like 68. And he's a dentist in New Jersey, and we still snap into Granny. What the <laughs> hell? Well, it's got it's got something that got a hold of you, man. No matter how you got to the point you got to, I mean, I'm just happy you got here. Um, mm -hmm. And then we'll open it up with the fan questions here in just okay. a second, man. But like I said, I really appreciate everything you've done. Um, I'm sure you hear it all the time and, and it gets brought up quite a few times when I talk to you guys and gals, um, that you guys touched a lot of people's lives, right? I know you I said you didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know. <laughs> I did not know. I went to work. I came home. I never watched anything. I had no connection to my career except that I loved my work. And it got everything when I did it, and I moved on to real life. I never understood. And it wasn't until two things changed it. Mm -hmm. I would throw a Christmas party at my house every year for my agents, and a girl I spoke to every day was standing at my bar, and I was shaking martinis. And I handed her a martini, and she started to cry. And I said, what? And I, I immediately think it's me. What did I do? What did I do? <laughs> 
And I said, I won't tell your name. M, it starts with. Mm -hmm. uh, are you okay? What, 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 did, did I fuck up? I, what, what's the matter? She said, I always want to tell you that when I was a kid, I was a latchkey kid. My father died of AIDS. My mother was alone. She had to work. I had to, I had to go home every day from school. And she said the only thing that kept her together was Tiny Toons. Yeah. What? I mean, I got emotional. I never understood that the impact of the work that I had done, and it, and it started to really infiltrate my thinking and then I started to do things that I avoided for years which was conventions yeah and I think my first convention I was so knocked over by the awareness that my work had effect on anybody yeah I, it it's very gratifying it's very potent and it is so shocking to me because I never thought anybody gave a shit except me. Uh, and so to know that your work is not in a vacuum, which I always thought it was, and that it mattered to, to other people and that it's had effect is really um, it's something. Yeah, I can only imagine, man. So like I said, you touched a lot of lives. Um, so we'll roll into the questions here. Um, there's a few, there's quite a few good ones. Um, and you answered one because I, I, I texted Carlos before, uh, before I had you on. I'm like, hey, you got any stories to bring up? And then he wanted, he wanted you to talk about Tim Curry. And you, you talked about Tim Curry um, with uh, Our Real Monsters. So Carlos wanted me to talk about Tim and Real, Our Real Monsters? Yeah, he, he, uh, he when, I, when I asked him, like, hey, you got any cool stories for me to ask Charlie? Because that's always something I like to do whenever I have a bunch of you guys Carlos, on. Carlos, that was Rocky? That's so weird. I yeah. love him, but I, I never even, I wanted, he's never asked me that. They're so crazy. Yeah. Tell him about his business. Tell him to shut up. Leave me alone. <laughs> he said his time with Tim Curry and his connection with Emma Jean Coco. Uh, Coca. Oh, well, well, Emma Jean Coco was, I did a play opposite her when I was 19. She became my mentor, one of my, my dearest friend in life. She became a mother, a mentor, a sister. And then as she got older, she became a, uh, more of a child and when she got elderly and uh she informs me every day she taught me how to work in a lot of ways i played opposite her it was just breathtaking um but she more than the work part i used to call her my yoda her wisdom was so breathtaking and her kindness and her generosity and um man she was a miracle. She was, I think she was the most potent person of my entire life. And, you know, then she got old and then she got daffy and losing her was excruciating. Yeah. And, but she left me so full, you know, she just left me so full. So, yeah, I mean, Carlos knows some more intimate stories yeah. uh, that I'm not going to tell now, but um, Tim Curry is, one of my dearest friends of my lifetime too, currently, and he's still with us. I mean, we met when I was doing Paddington Bear at Hanna-Barbera. We were he, we were in the same cast. Yeah. And uh, we had just both, weirdly, we were both on the road uh, in the national tours of different shows. And we our paths kept crossing in different cities, but we never met. 
and we were nominated for the same award the same year, and we never met. Yeah. And he shows up at Hanna-Barbera, and it was instant friendship. And, and still, to this minute, I'm having dinner with him on the 18th. Beautiful. How funny. Yeah, so I love him. I love him. I appreciate Carlos reaching out. I appreciate Carlos sending the text back. Text him. I said, mind your business. I'll make sure I do that as soon as I'm off this call. But then finish it with Rhonda. All right. So we got a couple. We got quite a few here. We'll get through as many as we can. Andrew doesn't have a question. He just wants to say hi. And he says, Andy from Twitter. He just wanted to say hi. He met you at the Rhode Island Comic Con. He gave you the Mark Hamill slash you. Oh, I have it. Oh, my God. It's right here. Wait, yeah. hold on, hold on. I'm gonna show. I'm gonna. Andrew, no, he's wonderful. I know exactly who it is. Look, no, he made this. Andrew, just know it is in my office. It is in my office and on my desk. And you made this for me, and there it is. Yeah, so he, he sent me the know, video. It means a lot to me, and it's, it's very. And by the way, it's in a very prominent place. Look, I'm knocking shit down. It is right next to you. Should know my picture of Chris Kavanaugh with Babe. Beautiful. There you go, see? So, Andy, hi. Hi, and thank you. Very sweet of you to say hello. Now, I, I very rarely do I ask you guys to do these questions because you guys are not trained monkeys. I don't want you to continue uh, to uh, not get paid for. Wait, hold on. We're not trained monkeys? So a script in front of me. You'll see. <laughs> <laughs> of course we're trained but this one, this one, and then I did one with Greg Eagles that I could not pass up. I don't know if you know Greg Eagles, but he played Grimm from The Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy, so the Jamaican Grim Reaper. And somebody wanted him to sing uh, Girls Just Want to Have Fun. However, <laughs> that's the only reason I brought it up because I, I got a good laugh out of it and he did too. So I'm going to ask you, you don't have to if you don't want to, but somebody, and it, it is anonymous on Reddit. He didn't have a name. His name was just anonymous, but he wanted to know, or she, excuse me, any chance that the red guy could sing Mickey, You're So Fine. Hey, Mickey. Ooh, Mickey, You're So Fine. <laughs> hey Mickey! <laughs> oh, I think I think that's something like that. Hey Mickey, you're so hey Mickey, you're so fine. <laughs> I think something like that, isn't it? That works oh, for me, man. So hopefully, hopefully he got his rocks off on that one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> some of these guys have some of these guys and gals have some great questions. Uh, CJ, what was it like doing voice work for the show Pet Alien? Oh, my God, we had such a blast. Oh, my God. Well, Charlie Schloter, Candy Milo, uh, uh, Jess Harnell, me, voiced the entire show. I mean, it was, it was insane. And we laughed. We did page upon page, nonstop. We fed off of each other like a feeding frenzy. I loved the show. It was kind of, it, it, it never really had uh, a great run or a great audience. I'm very proud of that show. I, we had, we had a blast. That's the answer. It was friggin' fun. Heaven. Uh, Nick wants to, oh, no, not Nick. I'm sorry. Uh, Jeffrey Kerr wants to know, what was it like to revisit Rocco after so long? Oh, it was wonderful. You know, we had never worked together. I was always busy. And so I would get in and out and they were all record with each other. So I never recorded with the cast. I knew them all. We were all friends. We, you know, we do another show together, but I did not record that show ever in an ensemble. So first of all, when I got the, the script, just the idea of doing it again was so wonderful. And there's this great gal, she's going to kill me, but I, I said this at, at uh, Comic-Con, uh, Roxanne Escatel, she works at Nickelodeon. Because of Roxanne, she watched 52 half hours 
and cataloged every single character so that we could remember and record it, had sound bites. So when we got into the booth, we knew what just the fuck we were doing because I didn't know anything. I couldn't remember my own ass. I knew Ed and Bev, but I couldn't remember anybody else. And she did all of that for all of us. And so for us to be in a room together, it was Carlos and Tom and Doug Lawrence, Mr. Lawrence, and back with Joe directing, Joe Murray. And it was just, and, and Cosmo, the animation director, we had a blast. We did two eight-hour days of nonstop stupidity and fun. And then they brought in Linda Wallum and uh, Jill Talley to fill in some of the blanks. I, and I cannot remember. I know there's somebody else, but I don't think, he was there when I was there, so I'm not being disrespectful. I just can't remember, which is typical of me. But the show, it was great. It was it was wonderful. It was we had a blast, and I think the product was spectacular. The writing was hilarious. Typical Joe. It really was, man. It was a, it was a great movie to revisit, or it was a great yeah. show to bring back into a movie. Uh, no, Dominic you. wants to know when do you think you will be going back to cons? Oh, probably the tenth of never. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, as soon as people get vaccinated and act like they have some sense and that there's a there's a pandemic out there and it's safe to come out of hiding, I'll consider it again. But right now, forget about it. I don't even go to a studio. I work here. This is my studio. I don't leave. And I couldn't be happier, by the way. I don't, I don't believe, mean, man. No commute. You know, you don't have to like if I could wear PJ pants all day, man, I'm wearing PJ pants all day. There you go. Cameron wants to know, uh, funniest moment during any recording session that you can remember? Oh, my God. Oh, I couldn't. I, I, I honestly, I couldn't tell you it was so vile. One of them, I'll tell you one that just, well, I, there are a couple that I really have to save for the book I'm going to write because it was too disgusting. I, I, I seriously could not say this out loud and not be arrested for just being vile. Uh, but I'll tell you one that made me laugh so hard, and it was <laughs> Mo LaMarche. We were doing a show called Dave the Barbarian, and I think Melissa Rivers, Joan's daughter, was a guest on it that day. And I wasn't a regular. I was an in-and-out occasional guest. And I think his character, Moe's, had a Scottish accent. And one of the characters he had to refer to is named Kathleen, C-A-C-K-L-E-E-N, Kathleen. And when he said it, he said it with an accent and he said, Kathleen. <laughs> and then without missing a beat, he went into a riff and he said, uh, like cock, but you like cock, if it's too much fat, try Kathleen. And he went on this <laughs> 60 second riff about Kathleen and we had to stop recording. I could not keep it. And now this is 25 years ago. And every now and again, when Mo and I are together, he will say that and we'll just fall out. We will just fall out. So that's as body as I'll get on a podcast. I can't even tell you some of the other stuff. It's just not for not for public, not for public. No worries, man. Thank you for sharing that one. That one's a good one. Alicia wants to know, what was it like voicing cow, chicken, and the red guy all at the same time? It was wonderful. It was it, it was joyful. It was wonderful. Uh, David Feast was so generous and so brilliant, and Michael Ryan and Steve Marmel, the writers, the storyboard artists, the 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 animation, the everything about it, the casting, Candy Milo, Dee Bradley Baker, uh, Dan Castellaneta, Howie Morris, 
we had so much fun and we would be laughing the day away. It was an exhausting show, I mean, I have to say. But, you know, I went from character to character. I did it linear. I, I didn't do one character at a time and go back. I talked to myself as it was written in real time, which was such a wonderful challenge and it was so exciting and it was so rewarding and I was soaking wet at the end of the day and I used to say, uh, I have to look at my driver's license to see where the fuck I live to go home. And David Feast and Michael Ryan and I, I direct, Chris Zimmerman directed it, Chrissy Zimmerman, hilarious, wonderful angel, one of my dear friends of life. But David Feast, Michael Ryan and I would go out to lunch after the records. I couldn't do anything for the rest of the day and get hammered. <laughs> we would just eat and get hammered. I would just get sloshed. It was wonderful. Beautiful. I loved that show. Loved it. Yeah, it's one of those ones I look back so fondly on. Um, Nigel yeah. wants to know, uh, what was it like portraying Mr. Whiskers and what was it like working with the team on Brandy and Mr. Whiskers? Well, it was also a great experience. You know, Kaylee Cuoco and I are also very dear friends and I'm directing her now, her performance in Harley Quinn. Yeah. And, you know, we've been friends since she was 18. And when I got there, I didn't know who the hell she was. And I said, who is this? So who's this little punk? <laughs> they said, well, she's on so-and-so show. I'd never watched television, so I didn't know what the hell show was. Eight Simple Rules, now I know what it was. But I didn't know then. And I thought, oh, Christ. She opened that mouth of hers, and I couldn't stop laughing. Yeah. And it was magic. And Russell Marcus uh, wrote it, and we had we had Alana Ubach, genius. Tom Kenny, need I say more? Uh, Andre Soliuzzo, um, Sherry Shepard. Um, we just had this cast of crazy. And the scripts were wonderful, and it was it was another show. We just laughed our day away. I'll tell you one story about it. I do not know. I still don't know what possesses me sometimes, and I think you know they're going to cart me off, and they should. Something about Mr. Whiskers, because he was a laboratory, you know, rabbit, and he was so nuts. But there was one script, and he said the line was really to Kaylee. And I, when I got to London, I said, Raleigh. And I would do Catherine Hepburn. Every time I said the word really, I'd say, Raleigh, Raleigh, Raleigh. And Kaylee would pee herself. And we'd have to stop because, and then in the stop, the director would get on and say, they don't, don't, don't say it that way. Just, could you just say it normally? And I'd say, yeah, sure. We'd get to London, I'd say, Raleigh. And they were getting annoyed. But I refused to say really as whiskers. So every, well, it started to get a lot of laughs. And that's another show I never saw until recently. And I caught a couple of times. I realized they started to write really for me. Really? And we just, out of nowhere, so-and-so and so-and-so, and I really, really like you. I, it, just, it just crept in. It was so weird. So, yeah, I had a blast on that show. I loved it. It's Great. funny how, how, how they see something and they're like, oh, man, come on. And then they bring it in because they see the effect on it, right? Something. Oh, also they saw that I wasn't going to give up. <laughs> that too. <laughs> What's that? What a pain in the ass I was. So, uh, Jeff wants to know: any update on new SWAT Cats animated series? No, not a word. Mm -mm. Nothing. I, I had the Tremblay brothers coming on uh, not too long it's, ago. It's, but... it's great guys. I went to a kind of a thing with them uh, several years ago, and nothing's happened since. I don't know what they try to do. A, 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 what, do they, what do they call it? Where they raise money on the uh -huh. oh, Kickstarter. 
I don't know, one of those uh, things. Yeah, GoFundMe yeah. type of things. But, 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 you know, uh, that was another great experience. I got to say, I've, I've uh, brought it up a couple different times with a couple different people I've had on that have worked on that show. Um, you know, growing up with a with a younger brother, you know, you're always in competition with each other. You're always fighting with each other. You know, it's brothers are just brothers, right? Boys are boys. And the only time there was like a cease and desist or a ceasefire was when SWAT cats were on when we were younger. Oh, how great. Yeah, we would sit down, we would watch. We kept peace in the world. We kept peace in your family. For 22 minutes. And then it was all out war as soon as SWAT cats was over. Cut a throat after that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, John wants to know, does he remember Crow? Yeah, I do. Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. I do. Uh, Not much. I just, it was a PBS show. Uh, What I remember most is working with Max. uh, Oh, shit. Oh, he's so brilliant. He's if he ever hears this or sees this, he's going to be insulted. He, Castell, he, he he was the, the co-star in Doogie Howser, which and I had worked with Neil Patrick Harris when mm. Neil was a little kid on Capital Critters, yeah. and then I got to work with Max. Oh my God, he was just a, a miraculous actor, the sweetest guy. Um, I played it, I think three roles on it. I mm. don't remember much about the show except. <clears throat> My rapport with Max. Yeah. I really, I liked it very much. PBS, I do remember that part. God, I'm so surprised. Prevagen's really working for me, I'll tell you. <laughs> Sean wants to know, uh, do you remember the moment that you thought this is something that I want to be a part of when it comes to voice acting? Do you remember when that light clicked off? You're like, holy shit, I've, this is it's something still, I want to do. It still hasn't clicked. <laughs> no, I mean, I just was a working actor. I was so happy to get work. And the first thing I did was My Little Pony. Uh, uh, in 1982, I think, in New York. And it was the first animated thing I got cast in. And I did it, and I loved it. But I was also doing a Broadway show at the time. And I was, I mean, I was doing commercials. I was doing soap operas. I was singing in a club. It was in and amongst a a body of work that was for me just to keep working and and learning things. So for me, I didn't have a light that came on. I still haven't. I, I wasn't being facetious. It's just now become the predominance of my career and my job, which I love. I love doing it. Yeah. I love directing. I love acting. Uh, but there was never, it was never, this is what I want to do ever. And this is the only thing I want to do. I was just lucky enough to be used in that particular area. And I have no regrets. And I'm very grateful that I've had the opportunities, but there was never a light that came on though. Okay. No. Uh, Jeremy wants to go, or Jeremy wants to know. Jeremy, go, go, if you have to make, go, go. All right, so Jeremy wants to know. How did you come up with the voice of Buster Bunny? I have no fucking idea. No? (laughs) No, I have no idea. I mean, it was like anything else. They're not voices, they're they're beings, they're personalities. I don't think of them as voices. There was a picture, there was a description, there was a a collective... uh, suggestion about what it should feel like and and uh, i i have no idea i have no idea where any of my work comes from none it just something occurs to me and it makes sense and they buy it or they don't buy it they like it or they don't like it and characters evolve over time and if you're lucky enough to be in a long run of a show you you start to evolve they write for you differently the character changes somewhat there are nuances that are brought in things are things are given up things are gained uh, it, I don't know. I, I hate to be such a bore about it. I, I've never been that. Never been that clever, 
are that inspirational about stuff. It just comes to me. You know, my background was improv also yeah. in New York. And so a lot of it is just, you know, this is what it feels like to me. And I don't think there's any great magic about anything. I'll tell you something. You know, these interviews, James Lipton, the James Lipton actor studio thing used to drive me out of my room. I couldn't stand it. And in some interview one day, somebody asked me something, you know, a question, which are legitimate questions, but I realized I don't have a legitimate answer. Uh, people want there to be some sort of magical thing. And I'll tell you that I had a knee surgery when I was 22. I woke up, this beautiful woman is dabbing my head and giving me ice chips and she's talking very gently to me and I'm effusively nauseating anyway without anesthesia. And under anesthesia, I'm looking at her, I'm going, oh, yes, he's the most wonderful person in the world. I love you. You could be doing anything in the world and you're here and you're taking care of me. And... Thank you so much. You're an angel. You're an angel. And she looks at me and she says, it's my job. <laughs> That's how I feel. That's become my mantra. It's my job. <laughs> I couldn't tell you any more than that. It's my job. I'm lucky to do it. I love doing it, but it's my job. Beautiful. Uh, <clears throat> well, sidebar for just a second on that question. Uh, when you when you start feeling that feeling out that personality to really hone in on who this character is, um, is this something, because you said you had that background in improv, is this something that you you only look at while you're there? Or do you do any kind of prep work on your way in? Like, man, what what would this guy really, or what would this girl really sound like? Or what would they do? What would, like, what is that process like? There's no process. And the process no I'm aware of is digesting and shitting. I don't know what a process is. I My process is I go to work. My process is through a lot of training and a lot of, weirdness and a lot of imagination and a lot of dare i say it skill things <laughs> appear things appear and i have trust i trust that i will tell you that uh, when i was auditioning for cow and chicken and i didn't know what i was auditioning for they i would arrive at hammer bear there was a stack of things i did not know anything about the show mm -hmm. i just knew i had an audition but I happen to have in my tape deck, because the one thing I do do is I sing every day to keep limber. I warm up and then I warm down. So I would, at that time, I had little shop of horrors in my tape deck. And I've always imitated people. So Ellen Green came on and I was doing a matchbox of our own. A chain, da, 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 da. Oh, oh, yes, doctor, yes. When I got in, there was cow. Mm -hmm. And that was like, oh. Well, I sort of tried that on. Now it wasn't Ellen, but it, it but Ellen was fresh in my head, and so it, it was something I didn't have to dig real deep. Yeah, I wasn't going. Gee, what the fuck are you going to do, Adler? It, 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 she showed up. Cow showed up, and then the writing was so hilarious to me. The drawing was so ridiculous. Yeah, and so I just had it was like an all-you-can-eat buffet. That show that was just it was an all-you-can-eat buffet. Yeah, it really was. Yeah. Like it, it was really a great show. Uh, <clears throat> Evan wants to know, do you think there will be any more Rocco? No. No? Not at the moment. I mean, they had their chance, didn't they? We did a movie. They could have done the series. They did not. And such is life. I Do I think there? No. Do I want there? Sure. I love yeah. it. I love those people. I love those characters, those people, those things, those frogs, whatever the fuck. I love doing it. I love the show. And I thought it was terrific. But, you know, I think that window's closed. But I could be wrong. Stranger things have happened, right? really has. Isaiah wants to know, who is your favorite voice director to work with? And what was uh, what was it like working with the legendary Don Messick? Oh, well, 
I'm going to pass on the directing thing because I don't like most directors. I love, <laughs> uh, it's true, uh, I loved Gordon Hunt. I love Jenny McSwain. I love Chris Zimmerman. But if I go further by, by omitting people, they're going to say, what about me? What about me? So I just said more than I should have. Uh, I love working with myself uh, as a director. Um, hmm, Don Messick was the sweetest guy. He had a place up in Santa Barbara. And Michael Bell, who was a prolific voice actor, uh, had a beach house that I used to rent from him. And I would call Don. And he'd meet me and we'd walk on the beach. And yak and yak. He was a really, he was very private, very quiet, wonderful, wickedly. In, he, 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 I, I feel there was a bigger inner life than he ever let on. But I always felt very loved by Don and very respected. And we would laugh. We made each other laugh, which to me is a very intimate thing. You know, if you can share a laugh with somebody, that is yeah. very intimate. And I always felt his respect, and I always felt warmth from him. But his outward demeanor was not oozy, gooey, gushy. But man, he was wonderful to work with. I loved working with him. Those Hanna Barbera years were thrilling. I mean, Don Messick, uh, 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 Jonathan Winters. I mean, people that I, you know, and people who became lifelong friends. I met Tim there. I met Henry Gibson there, who was one of my dearest friends on, of my lifetime. Brock Peters was like my father till he died uh, because of SWAT cats. He was, he was Darkseed or whatever that character was, the villain. That's where we met. They all invited me into their lives. I have no idea why, and I'll never question it, but they did. They did. And, and it was, uh, what a time, what a time of my life. I loved it there. Well, I'm glad, man, because we loved it too. Uh, Real Bryant Rod wants to know, who's got a better ass, IR Baboon or the red guy? A better ass? Yeah. Oh, a better ass? Oh, I think the red guy. Yeah. I mean, he's, you know, he's at least has cheeks that are not, that, that are, that make sense. He was an ass that makes sense, don't you think? Yeah, I think I so. That Boon is a little skanky, kind of a skanky ass. <laughs> I think Red probably takes very good care of it and has great pride in his ass. Yeah, I think so too. He probably does a lot of squats. You know, he's one of those insta hoes, you know what I mean? So uh, James Rowley, 21, wants to know, uh, while recording Cow and Chicken, which character did you, well, no, you already answered that one, so never mind. You did it in, in order. Multiple Marcus wants to know, do you speak Spanish? I ask because you voice Super Cow. I do not speak Spanish. And David Feast had to read phonetically to me all of Super Cow's lines. He'd have to say it to me and I had to imitate it. And I knew not, not what I was saying. And David does speak Spanish fluently. I did not. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be talking to him on Friday for a, pro, for a secret, secret project I'm working on. So I love him. Love him. That one. You know, I performed his marriage, his second marriage at my house here. I was his uh, minister. I became a minister so I could marry he and his wife, Anne Marie. That's beautiful. At my house at Bayard. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. I like that. Yeah. Um, he, <laughs> uh, the brain teaser wants to know. Do you have a, a character that when fans mention it's their favorite role of yours, that it surprises you? Mm, no. No? Not really, because, I, I, well, maybe. Yeah, I think SWAT cats. Yeah. Yeah, that's always eluded me. I have no, I have no memory, except, I mean, 
I had fun, but again, I never saw these things. So maybe, maybe SWAT cats, maybe, oh shit, maybe it was really Ickes because I never really saw that show. Yeah. I, I understood that they were really crazy about it, but I didn't relate. And until now, now I relate. Now he's now he's right up there in my one of my favorite characters ever. And I never really gave him his due until re recently. And now I'm now I'm a big fan of him. Well, hopefully we get to see some sort of a reboot. I don't know if they can because you know, so many of them are are uh, no dead, longer. dead, irrevocably dead. Yeah, not in a better place. Dead. I wasn't gonna say better place. I no, 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 no. J. L. Belbert wants to know. Got any cool stories about directing? My favorite character that you did was the Hamburglar. Um, I don't have any favorite directing uh, stories. Every day is a favorite directing story. <laughs> I get to work with miraculous people. I've had mostly wonderful experiences. Very few unpleasant ones. Very, 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 very few. That's good news. Hamburglar, Hamburglar was fun. I had done that um, for McDonald's for a while uh, in the commercials. And then it sort of translated into those videos. But I just love directing. I love it. But acting's always my first love. Always. Do you, uh, a girl named Yeehaw wants to know. Uh, I think this person uh, went to your high school because she said you were probably the most famous alumni that they've had. She didn't put the high school down there, but it was something off of Reddit. Um, but she wants to know, uh, do you feel like any of your characters were done dirty to deserve a Betty storyline? I'm pretty sure you already answered that question because- you what, what, was, what was done dirty what? Do you ever- oh, Deserve like, better storylines? Yeah, do you ever think your characters deserve, deserved a better storyline or were done dirty? I think you already answered that with, you didn't really- I never think about those things. I never think about that. I do. I say what's in front of me and I go to the next show. I never think about shit like that. I mean, I, I don't count lines. I don't ever feel like, ever. And who is this who went to high school with me? I'd love to know. Uh, I'll reach back out to Reddit and then I'll, I'll send you. I'll yeah, send you a message. From. Her name is a girl named Yeehaw, and it was on Reddit. So I'll reach back out and see what high school she went to. I don't know I'm if curious. she went to high school with you, but I think she went to your high school, um, is what oh. she was saying. Um, and then Wolfman Dana wants to know, how'd you figure out your vocal range? Uh, by singing, by acting, by improvising, by making fun of people, by playing, by trying. Um, by failing, by stinking, by falling on my face, by exploring. That's a long ass answer, but that's the truth, really. It really is, man. This context, really, when you think about it, it's life. It's all these past experiences and these future experiences. Last question here by Mark's Jonathan. What character would you go back to and play if you had one chance to play it? Shit. That's not a character. Um, <laughs> I'd like to play shit. Um, I mean, they had one on South Park. They had Mr. Hanky. Oh, you mean, does it have to be something that I've done? To I think, yeah, I think it's specifically you. If you had only one chance to play one more character, one more character. you want to go back? I, I'm not, I'm not unfulfilled. I, there's nothing, I, there's nothing that I, I'm not one, I don't feel, I feel if I should have gotten it, I would have gotten it. I, I have owned every character that I have been lucky enough to create and the other people who have created their body of work the same. I don't look back and go, ah, oh, shit, I should have gotten that. I'm not one of those actors. I've never been, I've never been one of those people. I am not particularly competitive and I'm not, and it, it, it probably appears to people that I am. 
-hmm. But I'm not. I don't, you know, when people say, what are you, what are you working on when we were in lobbies? My answer was my attitude. Because yeah. I don't like to talk about what I'm doing, and I don't, I'm not particularly interested in what anybody else is doing. If I was meant to have it, I would have gotten it. So I don't have any regrets about something that wasn't mine, and I don't give it any thought. I've ne and by the way, I don't really watch cartoons. I'm sorry <laughs> to say this, but I don't really. I watch the Science Channel. I watch the History Channel. I watch, I watch news stuff. I watch stuff about UFOs. I watch medical research. I watch, watch things about animals, travel, or everything made in black and white from the 20s on, on Turner Classic Movies, I watch. Do I really watch cartoons? I don't. And I don't really know what my friends are doing and or have done. So it's a very long way to say, I, no, no, I, I, I wish I, yes, I, I wanted to play Mr. Poopy the Mushroom, stinky, stinky, wee wee, poppy, no, 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 I don't know. I, it's well, kind of dull. And I won't offend anybody with that seemingly lack of interest, but I just, it's just not me. No, it's a very, it's a very, I think it's a very smart way. And I think it's a very articulate way of looking at things, man. You said that uh, I, I won't do something, or I, I've gotten everything that I've deserved. And most people say, I want more, I want more, I need more, I deserve more. And it's a very grown up way of really looking at it, man. I really appreciate it. So we've hit that hour mark, Charlie. I got to say, thank you for, you know, spending some time. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you, Julian, very much. Thanks for inviting me on. And I do want to say one more thing sure. as a wrap up. Nobody deserves nothing. You know what people just women deserve to not be beaten in their own home. Children deserve to eat, mm -hmm. to be educated, to be loved, to be clothed. I don't deserve a career. I don't I don't deserve an award. I don't deserve the unbelievable life that I have. Yeah. I don't that word makes me crazy. My mother says to me, oh, honey, you deserve it. I said, no, I don't deserve it. Oh, no, no. People deserve dignity, people deserve equality, people deserve respect. Uh, those are basic things that all people should have, what you make of your life or what good fortune falls on you. I was a very lucky kid. I was fed, I was born white, and I was not um, segregated. I was not abused, I was not tortured. Uh, I was not put on the outside of society having to fight for uh, my existence and air as people still have to do. So as far as I, I'm concerned, deserve my ass. I don't like that. So was that a cheery way to end an interview? Oh, no, it's 100%, man. It's a beautiful, you're a beautiful person, man. I just want you to say, I really appreciate everything you've done. He's been Charlie. I've been Julian. This has been the What's My Head <laughs> And I hope we both continue to be each of those things respectively for a very long time. I really had fun, sir. I really appreciate it. I'm going to let you get in. You have a great night. Uh, and this has been another piece of your childhood. Thank you guys so much. And I'll see you guys when I see you. Thank you, guys. Cheers.
Thanks again for checking out the What's In My Head podcast. If you're digging what you're hearing, leave us a five-star rating. That will help other fans of animation and pop culture find the show. Don't forget to smash that subscribe button, tell a friend, and I'll see you guys and gals next week. Good night.